if you want to be completely honest, I'm reading through the Minor Prophets right now with my wife in devotionals, and if you want some violence, read the Minor Prophet. Yeah. Read Joshua, First, Second Kings, First, Second Samuel. Like, you want some violence, read the Old Testament. God, God was a hothead till he had that kid, man. Welcome to the Level 2 Podcast. This is a monthly podcast airing on the Checkpoint Church Podcast Hub, where we feature two or three of our Level 2 members. Level 2 members are folks from within our community that have stepped up to the plate of serving Checkpoint Church rather than just being served by Checkpoint. In each episode, we're going to be tackling a central question that will kind of shape our conversation loosely, and then we'll play a game at the end of the show. Today's topic is video games and violence. What is the deal? Why are these two things always correlated? Why is this such a corrosive topic? And we're going to break down and explore a little bit of the possibilities with some caveats here and there. But before we get into that topic any deeper, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to our three level two members. This is a fully loaded cast we've got here today, our three level two members that are hanging out with us. I'm going to have them introduce themselves by their username and their real name if they choose to, and then answer our question of the day, which is, what is the one game you would pick to be stranded on a desert island with? So first, we'll start with you, Stained Glass. What's your game? And if you want to introduce yourself any further. Yeah, I'm I'm Stained Glass, which is short for Stained Glass Rebel. My my real name is Shane. I am a pastor in the United Methodist Church, level two member here at Checkpoint. And um, the game, I was, I've been, man, I've been thinking about this. And there's so many, but if I'm being honest, based just on the number of times that I've bought it, rebought it, sold it, rebought it, Final Fantasy X got to be Final Fantasy X, it, probably because Blitzball will never get boring. That's true. Just never-ending campaign. You just go from one to the next, one season of Blitzball to the next season. Yep. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, next up is Splash Force. Splash Force, same question. What's the one game you'd be stranded with? Yeah. All right, Hi, I'm Splash Force. I'm not going to introduce myself with my real name, but this is going to come as a surprise to nobody in the podcast, but the one game I would have on a desert island would be Minecraft. Yeah. I was really tempted. That's not my answer. I'll say mine at the end, but I was very tempted by Minecraft. I have to admit that customization is just, it's its so key. It's good stuff. All right. And now our final level two member, Yeet the Boots. Hi there. I'm Yeet the Boots, Danny G. And I, I'm really excited. I am a lay person inside of the United Methodist Church. I work as a digital media specialist. And then I am a guardian of the galaxies for Checkpoint Church. And I, uh, my, my game that I would pick to be stranded on a desert island. I'm going to be honest. I'm struggling. Um, it's either got to be League of Legends or Battlefront 2, or I'm sorry, Battlefield 2. And I guess if you're stranded on a desert island, you don't have internet, right? So <laughs> Battlefront 2, yeah, is what I'm going to go yeah, with. That's, that's a real caveat we'd have to consider. Like, if you're on this island, does this island have, like, an active PvP? Well, it would have to have community. electricity, though. I mean, yeah, right. or an so, endless okay, so, supply so, of batteries. <laughs> if I have internet access, League of Legends hands down i can't get tired of it i i love it it's absolutely the best game ever invented and it is also the worst most toxic game i think i have ever played yeah it's one of those i can't play i played for so long well not really that long but i played for a short little stint and experienced enough of the toxicity that i'm out on it uh, yeah. my my answer is also not going to surprise anybody here but it is stardew valley i went back and forth between minecraft or stardew and i, I figured stardew probably has more depth than like a harvest moon 
does. So I went with Stardew in, in the long run. So I want to, before we get too deep into this topic, again, we're going to be talking about video games and violence. I just wanted to set some things on the table so that anybody listening to this podcast understands what this conversation is and who we are. So again, we're Checkpoint Church. We're the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. We are not a research facility. We are not the ADA. We are not this organization that is here to explain to you about video games and violence. We're not going to tell you about our our decades of, of, of hard sociological work in the industry. We are just people. Some of us are pastors. Some of us are lay members. Some of us are not even over the age of 18. We're bringing different perspectives to this than you may have heard in other conversations. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure we're all on the same page that we are not experts on and then I also want to explain that I think there's a difference between the, there's two ways of even looking at this conversation. And the first one is violence in video games. So are there games that have violence in them? And then on the other hand, are there games that have led to violence? And I think that's the one that's always going to be the trickier one to prove. So as far as a quick history of where this all got started, the, the argument could go back to even further before this, but the first place that you really will start to find any research being done is around the time of Mortal Kombat. When Mortal Kombat aired, that was a, a response to Street Fighter II, but a little bit gorier, a little bit grittier, something more to it. And that led to some attention by the political figures in the United States. That led to a lot of careening forward in this conversation. And then where things really ramp up is with the Columbine shooting and the fact that the shooters were apparently linked to the video game Doom. So you have Mortal Kombat, you have Doom, and then you have games like Grand Theft Auto continuing this narrative. And then as we've continued to have one shooting after another, one tragedy after another that has happened, they all seem to be trying to find threads connecting video games to the people committing these heinous acts. For the most part, research seems to point towards the fact that these things are not even correlated in the slightest, let alone uh, there's no there's no correlation or causation, according to the researchers out there. But again, we are not researchers. We're not going to be able to adequately provide necessarily an understanding beyond what a cursory Google might be able to provide of, well, research says this isn't the case, but we do want to kind of work through it together and work through some of the possible ways that we can see a path forward from violent video games and this perception that we have of them. So the first thing, just to lay a, lay a, a, a ground table foundation for those of us that are gathered here right now, might be to ask the question of what experience do you have with violent video games? So what is your personal gaming experience in violent games? Me personally, I'm not a shooter person, so I really don't like FPS games in general. So violence in video games, to me, is always going to be more fantastic. If I experience violence, it's going to be in the realm of an RPG. It's going to be fighting monsters. It's going to be, at most, if I'm fighting against other people, it's going to be demonstrably bad people. It's very rare that it's going to be like one military faction against another military faction for me personally. Just because I don't like shooting games, I don't like the mechanics. So that's that's my per perspective that I bring to violent video games. So who's next? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I have all the I'll, I have all the experience with <laughs> violent video games. Yeah, so I spent probably my college tuition savings on Mortal Kombat in <laughs> at a corner store growing up. I remember there used to be a line of people just waiting to play, and then the the person who would win would just keep control of the machine until somebody could dethrone that person. I loved Mortal Kombat when it came out. I spent so much. 
I don't like first person shooters. I never have. I've been in, and not because of the violence, but because I'm just terrible at them. And, and that's why I don't play fighters anymore. Not because I don't like them. It's just, I don't have the time as the resident old person on this pod today. I, I don't have the time to memorize all the move sets and all of that to make them fun. But I have never shied away from a video game because of its violence. In fact, the the more violent, the more bloody, the more gory, the more insane, probably the more I've enjoyed it. That's not a universal. I've enjoyed a lot of non-dark games, but like I loved Doom. I loved Mortal Kombat. I loved all of those things. And I was... I graduated, what, Columbine was 99? I graduated 97. So I was, I was that kid, you know, at around that time. I, I have a, I bring that kind of perspective to it. I, well, I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. And I want to say there is, there's a ranking of video games and the levels of violence and what, like, what they bring to the table. You know, I think of like the only game, I, I remember the big deal game growing up for me in the like 2000s was Manhunt. That was one that was like, this is the game that takes it too far. And there are still places that most, most people won't even sell that game. You can buy it online, but like a gaming store typically will just kind of throw that one out or say, we can't take that one because it won't sell. So that's like the level of like excessive gore that I think some people take too far. And it's almost, it almost goes down to like the torture stuff. For the most part, people aren't turned off by gore, but just like with movies, whenever it comes down to like Saw or Hostel or that kind of thing, that's where it kind of flips the switch. For yeah. a lot of people from violence well, in, to excessive violence. Interestingly, so like Grand Grand Theft Auto, right? I've always hated that game. And it was due in large part because it came out right around the time when I was at my most, I'll say, religious, conservative. No, I'd say I'm a little more religious now. It was at my most restrictive in terms mm. of what I thought should be consumed by a human. And so I may actually love the gameplay. In fact, I've played other games that are based on that kind of gameplay and have loved them. But for whatever reason, Grand Theft Auto has always been on my list of things that I just I just have always disliked. And, and I think it was because I bought into the narrative that was being told about it rather than anything it actually has to offer. Yeah. Well, Grand Theft Auto is just one of those games where it's either you really, really like it or, oh, my God, this is so stupid. Mm. So. Yeah, well, and it's it's leaning into the meme, right? I mean, Grand Theft Auto, I think that's why they're having so much trouble with GTA 6, and this is a side tangent, but... Well, it's like 20 so, years old. The reason... <laughs> yeah, it's old. But yeah. The, the reason is also that they're, they're like, they're not sure if their tongue-in-cheek approach is still relevant. Like, ha have we aged out of Grand Theft Auto's style of humor is a big question that I think people are asking themselves and that these, these developers are asking themselves, but... Yeah. Splash. Well, can, what, can, what oh, are, or I game? had a question for stain for stained glass. So, like, you grew up in the eighties, nineties, correct? Yes. Okay. So, like, your your experience with video games, you were probably like uh, one of the first generations to actually play like real video games that weren't or Oregon Trail. Trail. <laughs> Oregon Trail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, these, these were actually video games like Atari and, and and like Nintendo. And I don't know if there's PC games back then. I was like thirty five thousand years ago. We weren't a thing until like the late nineties. Okay. Okay. So, like, what, what kind of violent, violent video game back then came out that wouldn't be considered violent today? And like, what kinds did you play? Oh, I mean, I think I think Nate gave the history pretty well. Violence in video games wasn't really a conversation until Mortal Kombat came out, and okay. there was blood on the screen. Right? You could make the claim that M Super Mario has violence. I mean, you're killing 
plants and goombas and and all you know all kinds of stuff there's there's violence in the game but it's not a violent game okay. and so there's that distinction too right mortal Kombat was one of the first if not the first it was certainly the first commercially like grand slam that had it it, it really was because it had blood on the screen it wasn't because they were they were punching each other there wasn't because there was even the violence on it it was the blood and the fatalities is what okay so So before that there wasn't any kind of like panic you know like how we just talked about like satanic panic there wasn't this like video game panic that everybody's turning violent just the general you know just the general of that kind of media is makes you stupid or only children play that sort of thing and at the time that was mostly true because we were a lot of us were kids in that generation but yeah the 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 worry about it being violent was secondary to the worry about it just rotting your brain as like TV okay. or something like that. All right, Danny or Splash, what are you, what's your experience with violent video games? Well, my experience, so my parents divorced when I was five and I want to say about the age of like six or seven, like the only time I spent with my dad was playing video games. And like, it was a, a great way for me to connect with him. And I think it's the only thing we ever connected over. And I, I remember the first video game that I, I, I think I ever played that was violent was Battlefield 2. It's why it's one of my favorites. I love and cherish those memories, memories that I made with my dad for, for that short period of time that, you know, I was able to spend with him. You know, every Friday night, just me and him just gaming away on Battlefront 2 or Battlefield 2. I'm never going to remember what, what, what it is actually, Battlefront or Battlefield, but whatever. And, and I, I, that opened up a whole world for me. And I remember uh, there was one time my dad's like, he come over but i have to go do this work thing he he works in like it or whatever and so he had like an emergency so here i am just sitting at a pc by myself and so i'm like you know i wonder if there's other better video games out there so i go on the internet as a like seven eight year old right and i found pirates of the caribbean online and i absolutely loved it like i just finished the the first pirates of the caribbean i think and i, I played this game for hours and hours and hours and i've been playing it for like a month or two my dad started to play and then my mom found out that i was playing all these video games with my dad and she freaked out and like i i compared to other video games i don't think battlefield 2 or or pirates of the caribbean online were ever that violent but the fact that i was going around killing people with swords and guns like my mom threw a hissy fit and so i was no longer allowed to like spend time with my dad because he had a bad negative influence on me and like i was absolutely devastated although that didn't stop me from playing any more video games i remember when league of legends released in october of 2009 i played on that release date and i i loved it but in terms of violence i don't think that's you know considered violence and then you look at me now and then I, I'm playing all these different video games. And I think the most violent I play is like Valorant. And that's somewhat violent. Not as violent as Call of Duty, but more violent than League of Legends. And I actually had a huge conversation with a pastor. Not one that I worked for, but a, a different pastor in my conference over violent video games. And he, he was mad because I was playing Valorant. And he's like, that's going around killing people. There's blood in that game. And, and so we had this whole deep conversation on whether or not I'm sinning and I'm going to hell because uh, I'm, I'm playing, you know, these games. And They better and have game-, game Pass in hell. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If I'm going to hell, I'm going to have to throw a party. But, uh, you know, it's going to be the best party they've ever seen. But I, my, I think that violent video games have their, their place in society. You know, everybody has a different personality, a different society, a different social economical background. I think all those factors play in. And research shows that the, the amount of violent video games that you play does tend to make you a little bit more aggressive. But those little bit more are very minute in terms of the other skills that these violent video 
video games teach you. For example, they teach you coordination and hand-eye coordination, working with others, team building, all these different things. And my experience with video, violent video games in general has just been overall positive, I think, except for the fact that I never got to play Pirates of the Caribbean online again. Like that sucks. Well, what I think is really interesting about what you bring up there is that uh, I don't know the canon reason behind League of Legends. I don't know if it's like a, like a, like a, actual like blood sport going on and like these characters are actually dying or if the reason that there's round after round after round is because there's there's something different happening in the meta but i think that valorant is like straight up clones isn't it like aren't they aren't yeah. they just clones fighting each other yeah. and so, so yeah. like the difference between battlefield where this is like a recreation of war where people actually do die irl and this is a game where you're playing that recreation valorant is a bunch of clones doing some weird kind of study like the the meta told in these two stories is completely different but we react to them as if they're the exact same situation going on. I've always found that really intriguing about like, what do we bring with us to video games of our own understanding? And what is the game actually telling us is happening in game? And how much does that matter in our perspective of violence? And, and for me, I, I'm big into like storyline. Like I could tell you all about the like lore of League of Legends and Valorant's kind of new and I'm just starting to get into that lore. And I, I really think it's fascinating because uh, essentially, from my understanding, please don't ever quote me on this because I, I'm just getting into it. But in terms of the lore for Valorant, it's you have these characters that essentially enter an alternate reality, I guess, and they got to defuse these bombs from blowing up, but that yet they're going against themselves to to to, to defuse the bomb. And I, I really like the lore, and and I I don't think the lore is violent at all. And I think that's a whole another conversation that we could have is is playing violent video games, you know, bad or good, is reading the lore of violent video games. Is that good or bad? Like, is that any different than watching Batman on the big screen? Or is it any different than reading a book like The Hunger Games? I mean, it's all violent content, massively consumed by society. Yeah, video games and video game lore gets this bad rep. Yeah, I'm sure this will continue to come up. But let's let's let Splash say, what's your relationship with violence in video games before we move on? Yeah, so my relationship with it is a lot different because I'm, like, you know, a decent bit younger than all of you guys. But because, like, or my, my similar relationship with it was, like, when I, I think Fortnite, like, the big boom of that in, like, late 2018, I was, like, oh yeah, I was, like, 10. That is, like, what I was always trying to, like, get into. And, of course, mom watched too much Good Morning America, and they told her that, it, you know, that... <laughs> It's like <laughs> we just lost that sponsor. Good Morning America was going to be a sponsor on the podcast, but Splash just ruined it. Man, goodbye. Yeah, and like yeah, they they were one of those news outlets always preaching about how it you know that was the real cause of all the violence and not that the fact that people that need therapy in America can't actually get therapy. And so I was I was not allowed to play it until like like six months ago, and by you know by now like Fortnite's almost completely dead. So. That that's just sort of like my thing is like for the longest time anything with like a drop of blood or a gun in it was completely off the table. Well, and and again, what's hilarious is again the the, the meta narrative being told in Fortnite. Right there's there you might yeah. as well be shooting Nerf guns in Fortnite. Like there's exactly. no more. <laughs> And you drop out of a giant bus in the sky. Like the suspension of disbelief is is ridiculous that we bring to it. 
And so we could, we've all kind of pointed out the kind of ridiculousness of video games and then how some, some games do bring forward darker, darker narratives and themes. But for some reason, regardless of the nuance and the deeper things being allowed, it seems that video games have become the scapegoat. We no longer really talk about violence in television. We don't talk about violence in movies. We don't talk about violence in our books that we read, like Danny said. But instead, it's always video games. And so I wonder if we have any perspective as to like why. Why do you think video games are the easiest thing that it seems to be to target? I, I don't even see people going after VR. So you can't even say that it's like the new thing because video games are so new and fresh. Even with VR being the new thing or social media being the new thing, it's still video games that comes up in every single conversation. Why do you think this is the easy scapegoat? Well, I think it, it, there's, there's a huge part in, in media. So one of my favorite classes in college was media literacy and understanding like the difference between good and bad sources and then good sources sometimes using leading language for trying to like put thoughts into your brains. And there's been a lot of people that have gone onto the media to like just target video games. And I'm not saying that's like the entire reason like why video games get a bad rep, but I, I think religion plays into it in such a way that essentially it's, it's like a repeat of the satanic panic back in the 70s 80s 90s right and it brings about this this sense of well my pastor said this about my video about the video games my kid plays so now i'm gonna stop my kid from playing these video games because i don't want my kid to go to hell i don't want my kid to be you know won over by the devil i don't want my kid to, to turn out to be this violent monster that's going to be the next school shooter but in, in reality there, there's no basis for school shootings and video games and and, and i i think I think religion has just taken a strong hold on on making sure that that people aren't consuming this media because it takes away from their message of I'm always right and they're they're I, I think they're afraid to admit that they are wrong about video games. Yeah, I mean I I'll take it that and I'll take it a step further too. Yeah, so the link between religion specifically Western Christian I'll just I'll just talk for our culture. And, and trying to point the finger at video games as the thing, the, the reason why society is terrible or, or violence in media in general, I think has to do with a couple of reasons. One, it's a lack of critical thinking of our own tradition, because if you want to be completely honest, I'm reading through the minor prophets right now with my wife in devotionals and you want some violence, read the minor prophet, read Joshua, first, second Kings, first, second Samuel, like you want some violence, read the old Testament. God, God was a hothead till he had that kid, man. And it's still right now. Um, so what but, you're saying is to stop being violent, everybody just needs to have kids? <laughs> I don't know. I will, I will, but I will say that like it, it's, it is a lack of some awareness, I think, on what, what, what violent media does actually cause us to do and maybe the force behind which we do it. Because let's, like, again, if you look right back at the Bible, and a lot of the Old Testament narrative is super violent, but that's okay because God did it, right? They can't control video games unless they vilify them because it seems like video games bypass God when in reality, religion is such a big part of so many video games, right? It also usually paints religion in a bad light. So it's competition, for a very specific brand of Christianity. So I think video games become easy because they're the people who are criticizing them don't play them. They fear what they don't know. And it also is being viewed as a voice in the ear of people they'd rather have the voice for. I think those are some so, of the reasons. 
And I think it's also important to note that there was a couple people that did a study on the Bible. And if you were to make a, a movie from front to back of the Bible and make it like actually accurate on what the Bible says, that movie or that video game would be rated R or NA because it'd be so violent and the amount of violent things that are in there. Oh, yeah. That's explicit. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And in New Testament, it is no different. Like, all you got to do is look at oh, what the passion, right? The passion of the Christ. Passion it, of Christ, yeah. You know, like I saw that one time and I was like, yo, that what you violence? What? We're worrying about but it's okay, right? Because again, it was God. So it's okay. As long as God's doing it, then we can justify anything. Right. Well, I mean, I just said what was like the worst example of video games was was torture. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's yep. the book. That's the that whole is thing. The book. The story is, is yep. a story of torture. <laughs> and yeah. death and resurrection. So we yes. get to the good news, but the elevation, the peak of that violence mm -hmm. is what I described as being the one that gets video games banned, yep. right? Yeah, it's it's explicit. There's no doubt about it. But but we also want to remember that sometimes banning a video game can be a good thing. Well, there, there, are, there are times where it needs to be controlled okay, within right. your own conversation. And we'll yeah. get to that here in a moment, but it is, it is relationship building. It's, it's understanding the why behind the decision that we're making. And video games are controlled for a reason, and they are controlled. <laughs> we, yeah. we act like they aren't, but they are. Of course they are. M media is controlled. And we have different rankings and ratings that we put on things that are supposed to guide and steer the parental discretion for those under the age of 18 so that we're able to steer them in the right way with the games, the media, the stuff that we allow them to consume. And then once they reach 18, it's their decision, right? They get to decide what they play. And so then it's up to people like Checkpoint Church and like I Love Thy Nerd and like the other organizations out there or pastors or churches or just people to remain in a relationship with folks as they work through the media and consume it. That's why I really don't think anybody should be doing it alone. Continue to... Uh, consume the stuff you want to consume, but make sure you're doing it in relationship with others. Whenever we kind of recluse ourselves and, and go off onto our own tangents, we can consume this violent media and it can start to work on us. But if we remain in relationship and conversation with it, then we'll be able to continue moving forward. So let's go ahead and talk. We, we can shift the topics a little bit for that. The big rating system that everybody knows about in the U.S. and Canada is the ESRB. That's the Entertainment Software Rating Board. It is a self-regulatory organization, so that means it just keeps all those decisions kind of in-house. But it does the work of assigning age ratings, content ratings, saying what exactly does contribute to the rating. So if you look at a video game and you see down in the bottom left or right corner, it says E, T, M, or AO, the very rarely seen AO there. They all have different expectations by which they limit things. This is a minor nitpick. You actually won't see AO on a box because Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox, they, they don't allow AO games on their, on their system. So you actually yeah. won't, you will, you'll never see that on a video game box. But you can't see it for PC, though. You can right. see it for PC, correct. Yeah. Right. So, so and I think it's also important to note that they don't govern who can and can't buy those video games. It's the government yeah. that does that. And there is, I don't believe there's a federal law that states that, you know, a 15 year old can buy a mature game i think that's all left up to the state's decision so as it, far every as state know, handles that differently i don't know of any states that actually have laws in place for that oh illinois does uh, you yeah you can't does, buy, really? yeah you can't buy a mature game unless you're 17 you have to provide an id for that or unless you have your parents with you yeah i guess yeah that makes, yeah, yeah. I remember whenever I was growing up, it was always kind of the like peak over the shoulder. If you were buying like an M game and you were uh, like noticeably under the age of, of 17 or whatever, and they would be like, who's this for? And they would like look behind you and you'd be like standing behind your mom, like not me, it's somebody else here. <laughs> 
I'm not buying this game. Yeah. I don't want to play this game. I don't even like this. So there was kind of that like weird, even if it was unstated or unregulated, it, it set a expectation and it set kind of an understanding between the, the seller of the game and the consumer of the game. So I think whether or not there was laws or whether it differentiates between states, there was definitely an expectation set, a kind of cultural normative experience by this ESRB rating. And there are a couple of things that they list on their website that I'll link in the description of this podcast as long as I remember to do. But if I don't, it's esrb.org slash ratings guide, ratings dash guide in slash. But the things that they list are alcohol, blood, cartoon violence, crude humor, fantasy violence, animated blood, blood and gore, comic mischief, drug reference, intense violence. There's, there's, you know, it starts to get more and more specific from there, but that's just a quick list, including violence and, and sexual content and gambling themes, strong lyrics, suggestive themes. There's all sorts of things that they get into. Those are probably things you'll start to end up seeing in that little box of what you can expect from this game and what it's there for. And so maybe we should talk about that. What, is, what does it look like to contain these games? If we're, if we're all in agreement that they need to have some kind of expectation attached to them, and we may not be, but not every, not every game is meant for every person, whether it might be age or whether it might be trauma or whether it might be things that might trigger us. Not every game is meant for every person. So we have to have some way to regulate that either within our own selves or whether it be a organization such as the ESRB that helps us to regulate those things. So what does that look like to, to pick the game that is for us? I, so I think the, the rating system is good. I think it, it helps with exactly what you just said, helps us give sort of an expectation of what things might be like. Whether or not I think there ought to be laws, like hard, fast laws in place on you absolutely cannot purchase this unless you are of such age, like we have on alcohol and cigarettes. Like we, we know those things have detrimental effects. And we also know that at a certain point you get to choose whether or not you want to accept those risks. Right. I'm not sure if media necessarily needs that. That said, humans have been notorious in not doing the best things for us <laughs> without a little bit of prompting. Interesting with the, the ERSB is that unlike the movie, the movie ratings, which have subtly shifted over time, like the ratings are the same, but what's included within a particular rating has shifted a little bit. I watched a PG-13 movie from the 80s mm -hmm. the other day and was like, whoa, yeah. that was in a PG-13 movie? I couldn't believe it. I was, I was, yeah. and, but that has not seemed to be the case with video games. That rating system has stayed pretty consistent, and I think it's because it's – well, I think it's because we recognize that unlike movies for the most part, video games can trick us with their, with their visual more than, say, a movie. If I'm going to see a Friday the 13th movie, you know, I kind of know what that's going to be. However, a video game can look way different than we expect – it Takes Two is a great example of this. That game is, I think that's M. That game might be M. If it's not, it's up there. It's, it's high. It's, it's T. It, it Takes Two is a T, yeah. Is it only a T? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, well, maybe it's because I'm playing with my nine-year-old. It seems <laughs> higher. But I'm there you go. Yeah, it, but there are things in there. There are things in there <laughs> that, like, T is a, is a pretty wide range, right? And I'm, yeah. But I'm playing through it with my nine-year-old, which I'm like, is okay is okay we've had some conversations around that but like if you just go based on the visual and the art style and all of that 
it, you, it can be deceptive. And you could, I could walk by my child playing that game and see it and go, oh, that looks okay. And never know. Yeah. I couldn't walk by my kid watching Friday the 13th and be like, oh, that looks okay. <laughs> yeah. No, can I ask a question about that? I mean, you're, you're a, you're a, you're a parent, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so you have, you're playing this video game. Let's, I don't know, let's say you're playing a video game with your nine-year-old and all of a sudden there is this clip, the scene, or there's this character that does something that is like really far out there. For example, I'm not going to give any examples, trying to keep this family friendly, but, and, and your, your kid really loves this game and you love spending time with your kid playing this video game. Do you, you stop playing that video game altogether with your kid or do you sit down and have a chit chat about like, you know, this happened in the video game. What do you think? What are your thoughts? How are you processing this? Or are you trying to shield them? Well, for me personally, I already go into a game knowing fairly well what my limit is on on that with him but i mean i'm not gonna like i guess i did know that it takes two is a t or else i wouldn't have played it i would never have sat down and played an m it just feels like that sometimes when they say something i'm like wow that was that's in a t okay so like i wouldn't i would not likely find myself in a situation that you just described simply because i'm pretty proactive in protecting him from that stuff now that's now maybe down the road in a little bit when he's 12 or 13 and the area starts to gray a little bit more on what's available i don't know whether i would just stop playing altogether but if if something came up that was that objectionable it would be very unlikely for me to continue playing with him no matter how much he likes it he was not i have a real big problem with them with him playing roblox right now simply because i can't regulate it nearly as much as I'd like, and he finds himself sometimes playing games that for a nine-year-old, I'm like, mm, I'm not sure I want you doing those things in a game right now. It, and it's harder to regulate his interaction with strangers on that, which is why I also keep his ability to play Minecraft in social settings very restricted. Right now, I'm actually less concerned with the types of things he'll find in the game and more concerned with the types of people he'll find in games right now. Yeah, okay. that's a and great follow-up question. I like so I I've talked to parents. I'm a big advocate of esports, and like the number one concern I they, I see all the time is I don't want my kids playing with strangers on the internet. And I tell them not to worry because the likelihood of your kid getting involved with a stranger in a in a inappropriate way is is very unlikely. I mean, it happens, but it's very unlikely. And uh, so, like, what you... are your thought process on that? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say absolutely not. <laughs> oh, okay. And here's, here's why. Because I take digital community so seriously, and I feel it's as real as in-person community, and even more dangerous in some situations because my kids know stranger danger, right? Outside, they know a strange person walks up to me. I'm not supposed to talk to them because this could go badly. On the internet, there's no barrier there. They don't see this person. It's just a digital avatar. And now a stranger who I have not vetted, who I do not know, who may or may not align with my personal life philosophy is chirping into my son's very impressionable ears. No way. Okay. That actually – and so, again, I'm more concerned about the people they meet online because the barrier is down. It's be the same. My son meeting a stranger in Roblox and talking to them in a conversation is no different than if a stranger walked up to my kid with a puppy in a park and said, hey, do you want to come see my car? No, I understand that. I just, I struggle to, to, uh, to understand, like, 
a parent's view from this and I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to that. But like, for me, I, I grew up really conservative and like the only outlet I ever had was talking to strangers on the internet. So I see this as a positive thing and I know it can get very negative very fast. And what is your advice to parents who have kids that want to be online? I mean, at what age do you think it's okay to start talking to strangers, building that online community that we have at Checkpoint, right? I mean, it's an online community. I've never met any of these people online. And so would you want your kid to be involved with Checkpoint at a certain point? Or is that a no-go because they're strangers online? No, I'm a part of this community. So I am vetting the community, right? If it's a, if it's a thing that I'm a part of, I can make a better informed decision. This isn't even the conversation we're supposed to be having, but it's okay. <laughs> All right. No, no, it's fine. For my friend, my, my son has a lot of friends who have unfettered access to the internet and gaming communities. People are going to do what they do, however they feel safe. I have seen enough in my life and I've been a part of enough in my life that I'd like to give him a little more time to understand how to manage his environment before he does that. He's nine. So maybe when he's, a little bit older in a few years when you know he needs some of that interaction more then yeah but as a parent and this is not a position i held when i was younger but as a parent i understand that we are there primarily to guide them to make good decisions not to give in to whatever whim it is that they feel like they want and need yes he needs social interaction yes he may not get it all um, in all the ways that he wants, he will eventually. And hopefully by then, he will have been guided in a way to know what's a good thing and what's a bad thing. Nine years old, he's old enough to do a lot of things, but he's not old enough for strangers to have access to him where I think he's going to make wise decisions most of the time. Well, and, and let's also be clear and understand that there is a responsibility as a parent. There's also a legal liability. Yes. And it's important to note what companies are shirking off legal liability for. Mm -hmm. So Discord, 100%. I'm sure Fortnite, I'm sure Roblox, I'm sure Minecraft, any service that provides online services, your child is supposed to be 13. Yep. If your child is not 13, they are online against the liability, not illegally, against the liability of the organization. So if your 10, 11, 12-year-old is online and is abused in a tragedy, in a traumatic scenario, then Epic Games claims no responsibility because you were informed that your child needed to be 13 years old. And so that's, that's why the... Twitch, yeah, Twitch will remove your channel, no questions asked if you have a kid on there under the age of 13, unsupervised, yeah. your channel just no longer exists. It's got to be wow. supervised. It's yeah. got to be controlled. It's got to be, I mean, it, really, they don't want YouTube for a while there even pulled the plug on that entirely. They yep. they made YouTube kids. And if your program wasn't labeled as a YouTube kids show, you couldn't even have a kid present. They tried wow. to shut down family channels because there's nasty stuff happening. But regardless yep. of the na nasty stuff, you have to realize these, these umbrella corps, these big corporations, they have legal liability for certain Resident things. Evil. And so they have the red tape that they need. And so it's our responsibility as parents right. to look at that red tape and say, hmm, if they set this up, then maybe I need to give this a second look. And so for anybody that might be listening to this podcast, if we if we think, the, you know, whoever in Checkpoint Church or in our ancillary people that we're reaching, they might be parents and they might be hearing this for the first time. So that's what we're really providing here is a, a reminder of 
If you're concerned about violence in video games enough to listen to this podcast because if you're a child, just know that that's also a huge danger. Whether or not the strangers online are dangerous, Twitch, Discord, Roblox, all these companies think that it's dangerous enough that they don't want to cover your 12-year-old. Well, on the topic of violence and the ERSB, you know, that gets us right back to why it's the same mentality for why I would, why I appreciate having these labels when trying to figure out something for my kid. Like when I have let my son play things on Game Pass, I make sure that the rating is under a certain level because he is not emotionally or intellectually equipped to deal with some things yet. He will be eventually and if he ex is exposed to something and and he has a question i will always talk with him about it at his a, a, a level that's appropriate for a nine-year-old because he doesn't need to n be exposed to everything fully yet some people will be like oh well you're lying to your kid yeah i guess we do it all the time as parents to because we recognize that intellectually and emotionally there's there are gates that we pass through things that i am emotionally and intellectually equipped to deal with as a 44 year old are not the same things that I could have, I could never have dealt with most of these things as a nine year old. So he doesn't need to know what I know about it. He needs to know what he needs to know about it. And with those ratings, it gives me a better glimpse of saying, okay, he is less likely to run into something that's going to be extremely problematic for his emotional health. No, Splash Wars, I have a question. I mean, you're the youngest of us here. You're under 18, I think. I'm 14. Yeah. 14. Okay, yeah. How are your parents handling video games and violence? And, like, do you have rules that you have to follow, or do they not even know that you All play right. video games? All right. So until until my birthday this year, I, I was not allowed to play rated M games. That changed recently. Now I can pretty much play whatever the heck I want to, given some certain restrictions. But, yeah. Yeah, for like, for that's like I was talking about with Fortnite. For the longest time, is like guns, blood, the sex, all was a no go. I don't think one set of rules is works as like a blanket with like all kids. Everybody yeah. is different. Everybody, everybody is you know emotionally at a cert, at a different point in their life at every individual age. And so I feel like, well, for one, I feel like once you start middle school. There's a lot of things that you're going to be seeing and hearing anyway. That's sort of my philosophy on it, is that, like, once you start middle school, T-game, rated T, most rated T-games should be okay with some, you know, there are some games that are up there, but I feel like that's just my opinion on that. You ever gotten in any trouble because you played a game you weren't supposed to? Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, that's true for all of us. I was going to say, I think it's true for all of us. That happened a lot. <laughs> No, I think, I think you hit on a really great point there, Splash, of uh, it, it is really all about being involved. I think that's probably the, the crux of the issue for me is that you really can't put a blanket on all video games. Because even if you try and compare M games to other M games, you're just going to have a, an unfair expectation. It just doesn't work to try and set up a like, this is true for all this game this is true for all this rating the 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 gamut is too wide there's too many things to consider and so it's best to have an active involvement in whatever you're consuming so i'll point out a couple resources that i know of right off the top of my head and that is know thy gamer by drew dixon that is a book written by one of the love thy nerd folks i think now he is stepping back from love thy nerd but i'll shout out his book because that's a guide kind of a 101 guide for a parent that wants to enter into involvement 
into video games with their children, but isn't quite sure how to even take the leap. Taming Gaming by Andy Robertson. I think that's actually also a podcast. I'm not 100% sure, but he was also on uh, I Love Thy Nerd Thing. And that's just another excellent resource to check out just to start the relationship. And then kind of like the ESRB, there is a Common Sense Media .com, I think it is. It might be .org. I'm not sure. But Common Sense Media is something I've known about for years and years, where it's basically a Christian review source. So take with it what you will. Some of you listening may be a Christian. Some of you may not. But just know that Common Sense Media hopefully is a place to start. It's not a place to come up with every answer. But if you're looking for keywords, if you're looking for cues or things that might be like, hmm, maybe not, then treat it kind of like Rotten Tomatoes and know that the reviewers may be full of it, but they also might have something to to provide, some yeah. kind of guidance. It is .org, by the way. .org, there you go. Yeah. So Common Sense Media, those are just some places to start. I want to say something about Common Sense Media real quick. They allow anybody to post a review on a, on a game. Or a so take everything on there with a grain of salt. And maybe, I think they have some sort of system where they recognize where they sort of try to verify if people actually know what they're talking about so look for like i don't know what it's called but look for that for the symbol yeah and, and again the best answer is always to be involved with it yourself to really do the work yeah. to negotiate with it and at this point i'm not even really talking to just parents i'm talking about people there so there are some organizations out there that are working on this kind of thing but it's it's just reality that video games are going to have things that are going to trigger trauma. There are people that are suffering with PTSD that are, that things are going to flare up whenever they're playing certain experiences. The more and more visceral that video games get, especially with VR, as we continue to work into immersion, people are going to start experiencing inexplicable side effects. And so being able to have a, a way to even learn more about video games and what to expect from them is going to be really helpful for people wanting to enter into that. I mean, I know a lot of people in my field, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I work with a lot of Christians. I work with a lot of ex-evangelicals, fundamentalists, people that have moved out of the fundamentalist church into a more progressive church movement. There are going to be games out there that are going to be people that have experiences that are wrestling through a previous evangelical deconstruction that may flag something for you. And even for me, I've got to be aware of like what games are out there that are doing that, then I need to make sure that I point people's direction to say, hey, if you're going to play that game, I think that's great. That deals with some really heavy LGBTQIA plus issues and trauma that they experience. You might be dealing with that thing too, and it might not be right for you to experience this right now. You need to be in your best possible headspace. There are games like Omori. Omori's rated M, right? But it's a very different M game, right? Talking about suicide. We're talking about Akiko Mori reclusion. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> we're, we're talking about some really, really dark themes. And so Halo is also rated M. Totally different experience. You just got to be aware of like, hey, I struggle with depression and anxiety and have had suicidal tendencies. Probably not going to play Omori. Whereas Halo, it's probably a fine game for you to play. Uh, it's just a different with Halo. experience. Can, can I go on a quick tangent about Halo? I go on a quick tangent about Halo. I do not think that series should be rated M. I think because like like Valorant is rated T. Yeah. I like I think objectively Halo is less violent than Valorant is, or at least most of them anyway. I think a lot of the problem is, and actually they did this recently with with Infinite, where a lot of the problems with like the older Halos, it was the campaigns, and mm. they would cuss in the campaigns, and that would give them up to M. There's a slight... well, but Valorant has a cuss word in pretty much every match. Like, not only do the players that you're communicating with cuss at you so much because you messed up. Sorry, I'm trying to keep it family friendly. And but like the characters themselves like have their own dialogue. I've heard 
countless words from the the characters and their own like internal dialogue like just cussing out other characters in the game like and to your point like halo reach like i think there's like maybe three cuss words in that entire campaign and it is by far the best halo reach or halo campaign you'll ever play so by far the best halo reach you will ever play I think, but I think I think you've entered into a you've entered into a great point of nuance, right? The reality that I was trying to trying to make there is that game ratings do the best they can, and they enter in a great launching point. But you still need to do the research. You still need to know the grindstone, learn more about why is this getting the rating that it's getting. With how gaming is right now, even if you don't want to play the game, any game that comes out, type in this game. Let's play on YouTube you're gonna find it. Type it in on Twitch, somebody's live streaming it. Go and experience it for yourself. Watch an hour or two, see what you think. You don't even have to buy a console, but just do the work of experiencing it and, and learn if this game is right for you, if it's wrong for you, or what it might do for you. But I think that that is a great stopping point for us to get to our mid-show break before we come back for some games and uh, our top three lists for this episode. So I'm gonna cut away to a quick break and we'll be back in just a second. Welcome back to the Level 2 Podcast. And we are here with our top three list. If you, by the way, if you want more conversation about video games and violence, we would love to have potentially a part two to this conversation. Let us know what you think, respond to this podcast, engage in the conversation with us on Twitch or wherever you might be watching this. Let us know that you want more and we'll bring it back for a future conversation because there's always gonna be more. There's always gonna be progress. There's always gonna be things to discuss with this, but I think we've done a great job of exploring the initial nuance and all that stuff. But with that, I wanted to really turn this conversation on its head and have us each present our top three games in no particular order that are that have no violence in them. Top three games oh. without a shred of violence. The shtick here is that video games are so violent, right? That's the that's the meme. They're not. They're not all violent. There are tons of games without violence. In fact, that I I am a very non-violent gamer myself, and I had a tough time coming up with three because I had so many that I wanted to put on this list. But does like a game like Fall Guys, does that count as violence? Yeah, like, saying, what are we qualifying as violence? I would say Fall Guys is not violent. It might okay. even be, oh, what's this? Another echo of our conversation on nuance. So you might even just have to say, what is violence for yourself? For me, I chose to say violence is literally there is no weaponry. There's no, oh. like, there's no no creatures dying. There's no monsters dying. If people die, it's by natural causes. That was that was my argument in the game. And even then, my third game may beat that caveat because it could be argued that it's not natural. But anyway, we'll get into our top three games. So I wrestled with that very question, like, what's violent, mm -hmm. right? What is violence? Like, again, I go back to Super Mario Brothers. Is that an inherently violent game? Yeah, I, it is because, I mean, it has violence in it. There's lots of death going on and caused by the player, especially. So the three I came up with, I think, fall into this category. Tetris, Tetris, love Tetris, unless you consider block destruction violence. Mm. <laughs> Forza, like Forza Horizon 5, I've been playing that a lot lately. And while you can hit other cars, it's usually not intentional. Like, it's not really a strategy you should be employing, but there's no, you know, I, I just don't view that as a game with violence. And uh, Hardball 95, it's an old baseball game from 1995. Loved that game. Spent so many hours playing that game as, as a teenager with my friends. So those are my top three without, without violence. Yeah, I think I've got three. Okay. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, the Sims 
specifically the newest one because that's the only one I've played. And I had it. Where did you go? Oh, Fall Guys. It's breaking my heart that you've not played the original Sims. Man, I don't know where I would be without those cheat codes and all that stuff and <laughs> original Sims. Oh, so good. I don't think I've ever played Sims. Oh, you're killing me. Those were like my one of my most played games because I had a PS2 and a GameCube growing see, up. I would, I would try it, but I don't know like how to even mm. go about doing that. I wouldn't. <laughs> see, <laughs> I love them, and I probably wouldn't play them again. So I would question whether or not Mario Kart is violent or not. No, no, it's got to be on the table. It's got to be on the table because <laughs> I don't have a third There's, one. Without. I'm going to say Mario Kart is not violent because nobody is dying. But you don't have to die for it. I can punch you in the face and you're not dead. That's violent. <laughs> I feel like I should you, be a meme You hit now. me with like, one of those I'll red shells. Trust me, I want to do violence. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> That's true. That may not even be violence in the video game, but it is a video game that leads to violence. Yeah. That's, but, that could be said of Mario Party too. Right. Oh, Mario Party has broken so oh, many friendships. Know, Mario Party is absolutely a game with violence. I think my, my three video games, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm on that gray line here, is Mario Kart, or it's, it's really good, but you got the, you know, vehicle destroying. Portal. Portal mm -hmm. is a mostly oh. non-violent game until you get to the end. Yeah. And then I couldn't come up with a third one, so just Fall Guys, I guess. Portal's a good like, one. I realized when asking this question, I'm like... Oh my god, I don't play any non-violent video game. Like, by your definition, League of Legends is a violent video game. Oh, mm. absolutely. Like, that's like, that's like, one that's violent and also leads to violence. That's a both hand. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just struggled. <laughs> it, just, it just leads to, it just leads to uh, swear words. That Maybe that too. can be Jason Moore's <laughs> next book, Both Hand. Both Hand. <laughs> violent, violent games that lead to lead violence. To violence. <laughs> Yeah. My top three games, this was, like I said, I really, you guys need to come to me if you want nonviolent games, because I had trouble coming up with just a few. I had so many, but I had Harvest Moon and Wonderful Life. You could really put any of the Harvest Moon games. Stardew, I even thought about including, but I didn't because you slay monsters in the, in the mines. So I was like, that's violence. This is Harvest Moon. Wonderful Life has no violence in it. There is a character that dies, but it's natural causes. Animal Crossing, any of them, that could fill all three as well. I'm going to do New Horizons just because that's the newest one. And then a game called Before Your Eyes is just a really cool game. If you've never played it, it's played with the webcam. It's an indie game. It might even, it, it's probably on sale on most consoles now, but I think I got it off Itch.io whenever I first bought it. And your webcam is turned on, it measures your eyes, and when you blink, it goes to the next scene. And so it tells a story of, of you trying to, like, hold your eyes open and not blink so you can get to the next scene to make more decisions and choices. It's so wow. good, such a good game, powerful storytelling, and no violence. And that's pretty much, such a cool idea. it's a really cool idea. It's a great game, so that'll at the very least, that'll be a recommendation that people can hopefully check out that they haven't before. So... I didn't have trouble finding nonviolent games. I had trouble finding nonviolent games that I enjoyed. Interesting. Like, See, yeah, I, I like those, some of those that you mentioned, like, yeah, those were on my list of nonviolent games, but I tend to think those games suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're just not for you. Like, yeah. they're not my kind of game. I, I guess I'm a violent gamer. I don't know. Well, so like, think, what about Portal? Like, I'm, I'm, I, love, Portal? I loved Portal. Okay. Okay. I liked okay. Portal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in my in my opinion, the first one's better than the second one. But the first one took me like two hours to get through, and I was like, "Wow, okay, twenty bucks down the drain." It's interesting if you go on Twitch and you start looking yeah. at streamers and seeing what people are streaming. For the most part, it's going to be streaming violent video games. That's that's what people stream. I think that there is a offset that's happening in video gaming where we're starting to 
we're starting to see more and more mobile gamers. And this has been over the past couple of years where mobile games have kind of taken over the world because everybody really, really globally has at least some access to even cheap phones that are able to play more and more games nowadays. And so what we're finding is that the phone market is continuing to increase the rate of video gamers. So we feel like console gamers are like master race, PC master race gamers. But the truth is like, no, it's phone gamers that are taking over. And typically phone games lean towards puzzles and puzzles most of the time, like Tetris, are nonviolent. And so I'm really interested to see if we see a turn on Twitch and on these platforms where people are playing games and they're streaming games, we steer away from violence as the rate of people playing these nonviolent games increases. But that's something that we'll see. We'll have to keep it. But, keep a but I also think it's interesting that like when, when the touch screen, the, the original iPhone, like that was like the first touchscreen phone came out. Like nobody knew what to do with it. So you mm. had all these stupid apps on your phone or like, you could chug a beer and it like you tip the phone sideways and the beer would like slowly go down or you could have a lighter on your phone. And like, and now like we're like what, just past the 10 year mark of the iPhone. And like the technology has just exploded. Like you went from having a lighter on your phone to now you can actually light something with your phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm playing so. game pass games right now. I'm doing X cloud on my phone. So like I play, I don't play games anymore really on my consoles. I play them on my phone because I have a baby. And so wow. that's, that's my life is like, I had the phone that I played Temple Run on and now I'm oh, playing, Temple Run. now I'm playing like the latest whatever off of Game Pass. So yeah, it's, it's pretty insane how far we've come for sure. How, how is that by the way? I haven't had a chance to try xCloud before. xCloud, it's very good? impressive. If you got the good internet, yeah, like, internet connection, it's incredible. I play with a, I do an Xbox One controller that I've got connected to my phone. I have the clip, I hold it in front of me, easy peasy. It's, it, now that I have the Steam Deck, I think things are going to change a little bit. But I think that as far as without a Steam Deck, without wanting to drop all the Buku Dolores on that hunk of equipment, you are going to have a just fine experience with a $60 controller and whatever phone you're rocking. Yeah, it's impressive. More impressive than the Switch cloud gaming so far, which I haven't played much oh, of that, but I have, I've tried it. I tried it with, uh, what was the control? Yeah, I tried it with I control. Control. Yeah. control, it's so bad. Yeah, it just didn't work. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our game to close out this show. So we end each of these shows with Nerd of the Month. This is a monthly podcast. So we do have a different nerd each month. And this is just some fictional character. We're going to do a Guess Who style game where we'll let level two members take one question at a time. Everybody gets to ask one question and give one guess every single time they get to go. And we'll just go kind of a round robin style. So you get to ask one question. It can be any question. It has to be yes or no. And then you get to give one yes. So we'll start with you. Okay. Are they from a video game? Yes. Okay. All right. Then we're up to you. Oh, do you want to give a guess? Yeah. If you want to try. Take a shot in the dark. Oh, oh, I got it. All right. All right. E. E. It's your turn. Cool. Uh, are they part of the Mario franchise? They are not. Are they human? Yeah. Yes, they are human. Are they a playable character in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate? No. No, they're not in Smash. No. Oh. Are they, is their costume black or dark? <laughs> no. No, not really. Oh, okay. Is it Robin? No. Not Robin. I was going to say Batman, but then you said couple. Do they identify as male? Yes. Is it an... Is it a Nintendo video game? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an addendum on these. They are from a video game, as in they are in a video game. And yes, you can play this game on a Nintendo console. Oh, uh, so they they they're not a original. Okay, so it's right. Not they are not a Nintendo character. character, nor are they a video it's, game character. But they are so in uh, video games. Okay. Okay. 
Is it God? <laughs> I said, well, that's, never mind. We do not but, have time. Sorry, I think it went out of turn there. I think it's on Splash Force. Oh, is it my turn? I think well, so. You, yeah. asked, you asked, is it from Nintendo? I explained the situation. Oh. So you, you can okay. either ask, is it God? And that could be your guess. And then oh. you could ask a question if you want to. Oh, okay. My bad. I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was my turn. I can't think of any questions right now. But is there suit or costume red? No. Okay. Is it, is it, is it Lex Luthor? I don't know. I can't mm -hmm. think of anything but superheroes. It is not Lex. Is it, is it a man based on a real life person? Not that I'm aware of now. Are they originally from a Disney-owned property? Oh, what an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, 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 they are. Yeah, yes, they are. Okay. Wait, you can say that about anything now. Pretty much like 90% yeah. of the content we consume. <laughs> and there was about um, a little bit. It does. A little bit. Are they from the Star Wars universe? No. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Things just go. I, I can't is, he from a, is he from the Marvel universe? Yes. Thor? No. Is it Tony Stark? No. Or do I get to ask a question? Oh, well? you do. If you want to ask a question, yeah. that was just your guess. Hey, oh. uh, do they have superpowers? Yeah. Okay. Are they one of the original Avengers? Mm, original? I got a Google. Ooh. The first six from the first movie. That's from. Oh, okay. That's what you mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're in the, the first movie. Is it? I thought you meant like the comics. Oh no no, no. that's that's too. Far back for me. I'm not that old. I uh, is it is it the Hulk? It is the Hulk. Congratulations oh! to Danny. Danny G got the got the got the the dub on this one. Got the nerd of the month. Congratulations. We would Very never exciting. have been able to do that without Splash asking about the Disney IP. <laughs> that was a really good question. That was a very good question. And yeah. I it was I like racked my brain. I also may have led you guys astray with you asked, is his costume dark? And I was like. I think he wears khakis. <laughs> They're blue. They're like blue or black pants, yeah. But they might be black <laughs> pants. They, they might be I've purple seen, even. I feel like they were purple at one I've point. I've seen Bruce in I think they're typically jeans. purple in like, yeah. I think they're typically like purple in the comics. Yeah, I think he was bright green with purple pants because those are complementary colors. Yes. I'm like 99% sure. And I then I was like, right. is, is purple a dark color? Is he, because he's bright green. Does that, so yeah, I just said that. Ask the bishop. They'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, so my, 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 I asked that question because I'm like, how do I ask about, like, because, like, like, most superheroes, most characters wear this, like, elaborate costume or elaborate something, right? But, like, I, I didn't want to, like, say something that would be, like, super awkward. And so I'm like, costume, that's a yeah. good word. Well, this is so. one character that, like, barely has a costume. So, of yeah. course, that would be the question you ask. Yeah. But, yes, I appreciate having all of you on here. Let's take some time here at the end. If you have anything that you would like to shout out, let's go one by one and shout out any project you might be working on or if you stream, where do you stream? Any of that information, let's go ahead and go one by one. We'll go in the order that you've got. We'll start with Stain here. Yeah, I stream from time to time over at twitch.tv slash Rebel, And I'm also working with my conference on planting a digital church geared toward folks who have some semblance of traditional in-person church. So very different than what's going on here, but a lot of the same community building elements will be present. Danny, how about yourself? Yes, I don't have a lot of online content right now. I'm actually getting myself going on that. You can find me on Behance at Danny G. That's D-A-N-I-I-G. And then on Instagram, I just started my Instagram account and I've already got four followers. Yay me. Hitting the big numbers, you know, at uh, Timo's Eater. And that's, that's pretty much it. All right, Splash. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Splash Force One, and 
that's all I got. Also, join Checkpoint Church. I don't know if we have a custom link yet, but go to twitch.tv and search Checkpoint Church in the search bar. There we go. Yep, absolutely. Always check out Checkpoint Church, Church for Nerds, Geeks, and Gamers. I'm Nerd Pastor Nate, the pastor there. These are all level two members. That means that they have decided to serve alongside the mission of this digital church online. And this is the Level 2 Podcast, a monthly podcast where we are airing all of these Level 2 members based around a central topic and theme. I want to thank again Stained Glass for being here, Yeet the Boots for being here, Splash Force for being here. With that, we're going to do our sign-off, starting with Stain. God loves you. We love you. You matter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Level 2 Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show and will consider letting us know what you think of the show in your favorite podcast app with a five-star rating. Bye-bye.